This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 69. And what? Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. And what? <laughs> exactly. Today. Like rapping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what, what, what? <laughs> I don't pretend to be a rapper. I am not. <laughs> no. So if you listen to last week's episode... Which is all about boredom and the importance of boredom and how boredom leads to creativity. Mm-hmm. You might have heard our fabulous, I guess fabulous not, is not the right word to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fabulous all the time. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> yeah. No, our, how excited we were to bring about this interview on the Enneagram uh, to you today. We are interviewing Lauren Gray, and we mentioned quickly last week that she is actually our Enneagram coach. And so she has been helping us for the past five weeks, working through understanding ourselves a little bit more using the Enneagram, but also in the light of the gospel. So it's been wonderful. And we wanted to interview her today. This will be a two-part series, so this will drop today, but also next Tuesday as well, about the using the Enneagram during conflict resolution. Yeah, so we because she's our Enneagram coach and she's helped us a lot in and through discerning and decision making and just understanding ourselves better Mm -hmm. and what it means. I know uh, as Christina and I dug a little bit deeper into this and we'll link back to the episode that we did with Drew Mosier on Enneagram and the gift giving guide. And if you haven't downloaded that gift giving guide yet either, uh, we'll put a link to that as well. That is fabulous. Yes, it is. For sure. (laughs) Inbetween.org slash episode 69 is where you'll get today's show notes and all the links back to that as well. But but really, as we polled y'all, I mean, one of the things that we heard over and over again was how you wanted to listen to and hear more about the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. So as Lauren's been coaching us in and through all this, and we posed the idea of, hey, could we do an episode on Enneagram and conflict resolution? She was like, well, actually, in order to do that, we should probably talk about communication styles first. Yes. And so I love the idea. We both love the idea. And we're like, okay, let's approach this interview in light of learning about communication styles. And then if you're a different number and you're in conflict with the certain number, Enneagram type number, this is how you should approach it. And it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So if you're listening in and you're like, man, I didn't listen to that other episode or I've just been hearing so much about the Enneagram, but I haven't yet dug in. This is going to be a great episode for you to glean and understand. Now, a lot of the conversation, we're going to be digging in and asking deeper questions mm-hmm. and and unveiling. And, and at, you might be going through it all and you're like, what's my number? What's my number? No fear. <laughs> Don't worry. Just go to inbetween.org slash episode 69 and we'll put links to help you find your number and for you to understand what the next steps are. But really, I mean, this is going to be, I mean, literally we were just going for hours, like over an hour, mm-hmm. just interviewing her, which is why we had to break it up into two episodes. Right. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into today's interview.
Well, thank you, Lauren, so much for joining us on our podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're totally excited. We talked uh, last week as we were pitching this podcast um, about you and about the work that you have been helping us through with the Enneagram. And as we were brainstorming ideas about the podcast interview topic for this week, um, I had initially brought up the idea about conflict resolution with each Enneagram type with you. And then I loved it. You suggested that we actually start with communication styles first and then move on to conflict resolution. Uh, Why was that a suggestion and what is the key factor to know about? Well, I think so many times when we have conflict with other people, it's because of how we are communicating. And the Enneagram um, gives us nine different lenses for how people are viewing the world. So the lens that you're seeing the world through and communicating through is going to be very different than the lens that someone else might be seeing. And so knowing how each different style communicates, I think can help us depersonalize some of the things um, to where we don't take offense when it's just somebody's approach. And to also for us understand how we are being perceived by others. Okay, that's that's helpful because with the Enneagram and and for our listeners who missed last week's episode, uh, we did share how Lauren is uh, has been coaching and and helping Christina and I understand the Enneagram better. Right. So we've loved the sessions that you've done with us and and we've really come to understand the nuances around the different numbers. So so for our listeners who are maybe um, not too. I, I guess, you know, they're not too familiar with it. Help them understand or, or give them some handles around how maybe one number might communicate on a consistent basis versus another number. Sure. Um, let's just go right around the circle. We can start with ones. Um, ones communicate um, in a very effective and appropriate way. Appropriateness is very important to the ones. Um, they are the perfectionist, or I like to call them the good persons because they are very concerned with being good and right. Um, okay. And so they like to get to the point quickly. And sometimes they'll avoid including their personal feelings if they feel like their feelings might be inappropriate or unproductive to the situation. Really? Huh? Yes. That's so, so is that like, wh- why, why is that? Is it because it's not perfect or? Uh... Well, th- sometimes the ones can view any kind of negative emotion as not being a good girl or a good boy. So they really are going to shy away from anger um, okay. and any other emotion that they perceive to be negative in that situation. So maybe they're not okay with their anger or expressing their anger, but if other people express their anger towards them, are they more likely to like be, you know, is it almost permission to lash back or is it like, no, I really need to be like, quote unquote, the good boy or good girl in this situation? Yes, they will do something called reaction formation, which means that if they, if somebody comes at them, they know the appropriate response is to be kind. And so even though they may feel rage towards the person, they are going to put on a smile and do the opposite because that helps them feel like they are doing the right thing. 
God, it's fascinating, the right thing. And there are a lot of like ones in the South. Because I feel like you're kind of like, we're even joking about this at dinner with some of our friends who grew up here. We're like, well, you know, we put a smile on our face, say bless your heart, and then talk about you behind your back. (laughs) Like one of those. So, oh, okay. Um, So uh, let's say you are in conflict with a one then. What are some ways that you can maybe approach them or wanting to express that you're angry, but knowing a one may try to put on like a facade, how can you help them be expressing their own opinions? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think reminding them that they don't have to be perfect and they don't have to be right all the time. So it's going to be, you need to kind of be careful when dealing with a one by not just outright saying you are wrong or um, being accusatory in that way and kind of helping them to see a different point of view and guiding them through that instead of just coming straight at them because they really have a deep need of wanting to be right. And it's not just a sense of being right for the sake of being right. It really feels like a moral thing for them. They want to be morally right and good. Fascinating, which is probably why it's so natural for them to react that way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good. How about number two then? What's the communication style for two on the Enneagram? Okay. So twos, um, they try to communicate in ways that will endear themselves to others. So they like to be very warm and personable, and they may focus on others um, with the exclusion of themselves. And they ask a whole lot of questions to show interest um, with whoever they're interacting with. And they may go to flattery as a way of winning people over and it helps them to feel like they are being loved when people receive them in a positive way because of how they're talking to them. Hmm. I see that a lot in myself, actually. Yeah, because you're a wing, too. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, let's quickly talk because I am um, Enneagram type three and then with a wing, too. Let's talk quickly about wings in general. Okay. Now, when we're talking about communication and conflict resolution and all that in your own self would it help to look sort of at your wings and be like, oh, in this situation, I may, you know, approach communication or conflict resolution with somebody in this way? Or is that really not much to do about it? Well, I mean, I think your wings can pop up in your behavior. So your motivation is usually it's usually going to stay with your core number. So since your core number is a three, the motivation Mm -hmm. from which you're doing everything is going to stay the same, but you may start to see some of that two behavior. And so I think you're recognizing that and what I was describing there and their wings, if we can learn how to tap into them can actually be helpful to bring some balance to our own number. That's helpful. So uh, let's let's talk about the, the conflict side of that then. Uh, if you're in conflict with someone who is a two, how would you encourage uh, them, them to wrestle through that? Um, I think it is going to be important for people who are talking to twos to really understand that they do feel things deeply, but they are a lot of the time feeling other people's feelings. So they're going to pick up on your feelings. Um, And so it would be good to help encourage them to tap into what they're actually feeling in the situation and not just 
reacting based on what they're feeling others are feeling. Um, They need to pause and get in touch with what's actually upsetting them. Oh, okay. So then would it be, do you think, enough to like just asking um, a type to like, oh, what are you feeling in this situation or or how are you reacting or whatnot? Is that enough, do you think, for a two? Or do you need to like almost keep asking them, be like, no, I really mean it. How do you feel about th- in this situation? Right. Well, what twos really need is solitude to be able to work all of that out. Because if they are even with other people, they're just going to be sensing and feeling what everyone else in the situation is feeling. And they're not going to know. I have a very close friend who's a two and she has found a lot of um, clarity by being by herself and writing things out. She said that it seems like things that she hasn't been able to think of will come out as she's writing. Okay. So if, so if I understand this, I mean, what what you said before, I felt like I was in the matrix or I was like, wait, so the two senses, other people's feelings. <laughs> so how does that, so if you're in conflict with a two, then instead of sharing your feeling, you know, they're sensing your feelings, which are not their feelings, but they're, so I was just trying to figure this out. So are you saying that twos have a hard time distinguishing their own feelings from yes. other feelings around them? Yes, 100%. Okay, so- they're in the feeling triad, but they are more focused on, because they're the helper, they're more focused on what other people are feeling than themselves. Okay. So they're feeling a lot, but it may not be their own feelings. So would you say that twos tend to have enmeshed relationships with other people then? Oh, yes. More more so than others? Okay. Yes. Yeah. And part of their communication um, can sometimes cross boundaries with other people um, when they don't want or need the advice or the help that two wants to give. If I understand this correctly, let's say, um, so me as a three, I'm in conflict with someone and I I know someone who is a two, uh, a family member, and I'm in conflict with them. Uh, Is it safe to assume that when I'm in conflict with that too, that too is probably reflecting back or trying to figure out why I am maybe angry or why the conflict is in the place rather than thinking of their side? Yes. They want to know what you're feeling and what they can do to fix it rather than understanding what's going on with themselves and what they're bringing to the situation. Because if I'm appeased, then in a sense, they're appeased because yes. they feel what I feel. Right. Oh, my goodness. Or they this know is... that you like, are okay with them. Yes. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that is yeah. one of the most important things for a two is I'm okay <laughs> if you're okay. Uh, okay. This okay. is... This is helping me. I'm not going to say who it is because I know family <laughs> members I know exactly listen to about, this podcast. But, but oh my <laughs> goodness, Lauren, this is incredible. It makes so much sense. Yes, it totally does. <laughs> uh, quickly, Lauren, I, I'm wondering if you can um, explain a little bit more. You were talking about the feeling triad. Yeah. Um, so being triad, I guess there's two other things you know, things that make up that triad. So um, what is that? If you can explain it more to us. Yes. So the Enneagram can be divided in lots of different groups that are helpful for understanding um, different aspects of it. So one of the 
different divisions that can be made are the three different triads. So you've got the feeling triad, which is twos, threes, and fours. The thinking triad, which is five, six, and seven. And then the gut or instinct triad, which is eights, nines, and ones. And so this is describing how they are taking in information. So like we said, twos are taking in the feelings of everyone else around them. And fours in the feeling triad, they are taking information based off of what they are feeling. Um, And threes in the feeling triad tend to be able to read the feelings of a room or situation, um, but not know what their own feelings are. So in each in each triad, you're going to have one number that is kind of processing things externally, one that's processing things internally, and then one that is repressing that center. Gotcha. Okay. I know I'm going to get comments and being like, you didn't talk about the ones in the triad because you talked about the two. So if you can quickly, if we can step back a little bit and just talk about the one you're talking about, they go with their gut or their yeah, gut. Eight, yes. and ones. Yeah. 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 Eights, nines, and ones, they go with their gut. Um, the ones take it internally. So um, they, they're able to have gut reactions to things. Um, and the, the main emotion for the gut triad is anger. And so since oh. ones to deal with things internally, um, that tends to come up for them in resentment or this kind of critical voice that they have going on inside of them criticizing themselves. Oh, so the um, inner voice is not criticizing other people. It's criticizing themselves predominantly. It's doing both. (laughs) It is doing both. (laughs) But they are criticizing themselves much more than they are criticizing others. That's good. That's good. All right. So I know we're going to dig into the rest as well. So let's move on to the on to the three. Okay. So threes communicate in a very straightforward way. Um, Their speaking is to the point, it's on topic, and it can sometimes feel like they're bullet pointing what they're saying. Um, They are very in tune with who they're talking to, and they're able to kind of shift how they speak to impress um, whoever they're speaking to and collaborate if the situation requires that. Um, and when talking to threes, it's really important to get to the point quickly um, because they are <laughs> so efficient. They want to know what the big idea is. And then we can circle back around and catch the details later as long as I know what the point where we're going. Okay. Okay. So with our listeners, uh, we've talked about this a little bit. So uh, I know you mentioned the wings side of it, you know, briefly just a few minutes ago. So Mm -hmm. Christina is a three wing two Mm -hmm. and I'm a three wing four. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. when we talk about the Enneagram uh, for a lot of people, it's like the Enneagram what? (laughs) And then we then get into it and they're like, oh no, I know the Enneagram. I read, you know, that book or I heard about it here, but I never heard of these wings. So can you help our listeners, because our listeners know us, uh, understand how maybe a three wing two Christina would communicate differently than a three wing four, just to give them the nuances of what the wings do. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. 
Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Right. So since, um, like we talked about with the twos, they're going to be very in tune with other people's feelings. So in a conflict situation, so threes are very aware of how they're being received. So a three-winged two is going to be aware of how they are being received personally but they're also going to have some awareness of other people's feelings um, and that they're going to want to do whatever they can do to be okay with that person more so than a three wing four. So the four, like we were saying, they feel things very internally. So they're out of touch with other people's feelings because they are very consumed with their own. So a three wing two may have a hard time saying what they are feeling in the moment, but they'll be aware of other people's. And a three wing four is going to be more aware of what they are personally feeling because that four wing is helping them out. Okay. Yeah. Do you see that, Christina? I totally see that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, and I think you, um, Daniel, have helped me in the sense of you asked me those questions like, oh, how, how are you feeling? No, really, like, how are you feeling? So yeah, that- because you'll step away from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I'll be like talking about maybe like the group. And I'm like trying to, you know, figure it out through what the group is feeling. You're like, well, okay, but actually, how are you feeling? Mm. So I know that's, yeah, it helps me to internalize and and figure out and even how to communicate with others in that way once I know how I'm actually like feeling. Yeah. Now, Lauren, can you elaborate a little bit more on the communication style of the three then before we move on to the conflict side? Yeah. um, So uh, it can feel kind of salesy sometimes because they are trying to, they can be trying to be impressive. Um, And so threes need to realize that others may need more time to process than what you want to give. And it would be helpful if threes can take a moment to stop and breathe and kind of lay down the mental task list so that you can be like genuinely present with the person that Mm. you're speaking to. Cause I think a lot of times people experience threes as needing to move on to whatever the next thing is that they have on their list rather than being in the moment. Yeah. We've totally had to (laughs) learn about that even with our kids Yes, (laughs) and everything. It's not like just feel a feeling for three seconds and get over it. (laughs) Like, which I feel like I can do not in a, not in a healthy way, but I can just be like, okay, I'm sad. Let's move on. And it's like, well, we might need a little more time to process that and to talk about our feelings and um, yeah, go through all of that. (laughs) Wow. So if someone were in conflict with us as threes, uh, (laughs) what advice would you give them? (laughs) And watch it learn. (laughs) She's a three too. Don't give all our secrets away. I'm a three too, so I I get it. I I totally get it. Um, So I think it's going to be important for 
people to help threes to slow down. Um, because a lot of the time we will evade conflict by just moving on and working. If you know, maybe something's wrong. Um, you just kind of put your head down and push through or power through the situation till it doesn't feel quite as bad. Um, so it's important to encourage a three to say, Hey, let's slow down. Mm -hmm. Let's sit with our feelings for a minute. And it really genuinely could take some time for a three to even be able to understand what they're feeling. I know that there's times my husband is also three. So there's times where he and I will have some sort of like, we feel like something's off, but it takes us a few days to actually go, Oh, what is this? It, mm -hmm. To get to the actual root of it. Um, you know, and just staying focused in the conversation is helpful when you're talking to threes, like we said, getting to the point and then being able to talk in more detail about what's going on. Yeah. That wasn't as bad. <laughs> uh, I can, I can slow down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay with people reminding you to slow down? <sighs> as long as like we can check that off, right? Yeah. <laughs> we have slowed down. This is part of the process. Yes, exactly. yeah, I have slowed down. I have Let's felt go. my feelings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now let's move on. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay. So moving to the, the last of the feeling triad, uh -huh. right, which is the four. Yes. Uh, what would you say the communication style is for fours? So they are communicating in a way to build connection and understanding. Understanding is a very important thing for a four. They want you to really get them. Um, mm -hmm. And so they're going to be using a lot of I and me in their communication um, so that they can be understood. And they want to be understood, not just who they are, but like deeply in their feelings and in their thinking. Um, and that's how they form deeper connections through conversations based on sharing emotion and personal experience. Mm -hmm. And fours hate fakeness. So if they can sense mm -hmm. any kind of ingenuineness in someone, they just don't really have time for that. So um, with a four, then, like, would they be offended if you're asking, like, oh, I, like, I don't understand or where you're coming from or I don't understand what you mean? Or to them, is that you, like, inviting yourself more into their space and trying to greater understand them? I think it would be good to come with questions like, tell me more about that as opposed to, like, I don't get it. Because they are, they are already assuming that you're not going to understand them. So approaching it from a questioning point of view of, can you tell me more about that? Can you tell me more about that feeling? And they'll talk about mm. feelings. It's not, they are very present for them and it's not something that they have to really think about. They know what they feel. So inviting them to talk more about that, um, I think can be a really good point of connection for a four. Okay, so for the fours, and I think some people are like, so is Nashville full of fours? <laughs> yes, it is. Artsy people full of fours? Yeah. There's a lot of threes and fours in Nashville, yes. Yeah, that's fascinating. So so what other advice would you then give um, on for people who, let's say, ha are in conflict with a four? Um, I think it's helpful to know that fours are also looking for you to have that kind of emotional response as well. And they sometimes are testing 
how invested you are based on your response. So mm-hmm. if, and that can be difficult for a number, like let's say they're talking to a five, they really are very detached from their emotions. So that is going to have to be a point of work for those two numbers to really see where the other one is coming from. Because if a four is looking for a big emotional response mm-hmm. to show that you get it, and it's just a number that doesn't have big emotional responses, both parties are going to have to kind of give a little bit. Yeah, I can see how that would definitely be a source of conflict, even though maybe not even much was said, right? (laughs) Right, right. So then for a four, is it better than to, I guess, respond right away? Because you're saying that some numbers, like it's better to give them more space to like figure out their feelings or whatnot. But it sounds to me like maybe that space for a four would be interpreted in a, you don't get me or you don't care about me. Do you know what I mean? Right. I mean, fours do a funny thing. They will withdraw. So you may feel them pulling away from you, but they want you to come towards them, even if they're pulling away. So sometimes they want time to process those emotions and process the things that they are thinking. But that doesn't mean that they want you to be absent from it. I think sometimes force can assume um, that they're too much for people. And so that they will withdraw into their own feelings. Um, But that is not, they're not trying to push you away. It's actually kind of a, hey, are you going to come after me? Oh, you said something interesting, Lauren, that as fours, um, I think this might be a aha moment for those who are discovering their Enneagram type as well, as fours that they assume that maybe they're too much. Where would that assumption come from? Is that from like childhood or different experiences or is that something more um, internal than that? I think it's, it's the internal, like my feelings are so deep. I am the only one who can really understand it. Um, They've got a big thing with being understood, like we said, um, and they are sometimes assuming that they are just going to be misunderstood because their feelings are too unique, too deep for other people to really be able to connect with. If if I'm in conflict with a four, then if, if I were to respond by sharing how I felt, because fours are in tune with their feelings. Yeah. Would like, how would they react? Or should I, like, should the response be that I share how I'm feeling? Or should the response be maybe me? So, in a sense, I'm mirroring them. Or should I actually try to dive into their feelings? I think both could be helpful. Um, okay. Really trying to show that you're trying to understand them, but they are looking for that reciprocal emotional response to show that okay. you're as invested. As they are. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Okay. That's perfect. I yeah, like that. that. Yeah. So how? let's go on to type five then. Okay. Uh, type fives, they are our observer, the very wise people. Um, and so they like to have very strict boundaries. And so their speaking style may seem very succinct or concise, and they really may not talk very much at all. But when they do, they're going to focus on facts and figures um, and the things that are most relevant to what you're talking about. 
But if you can get them on a topic that they are very passionate about, they will talk and talk and talk and talk. Um, Mm. If it's something that they have researched um, and that they love, they have a tendency to feel intruded upon when people ask questions and because they are very concerned with protecting their space um, mentally, physically, And so they may not ask a lot of questions of you because they feel intruded on when people ask questions of them. If you're asking questions about something that they have researched a lot about, is that a positive thing or? Yeah, would they still feel intruded upon? Right. I don't think as much. So if if you can get them, if, if you can find a point of connection on something that they are very interested in, that's not quite as much. But also... Um, a five in an unhealthy space can feel very stingy with their information. So even okay. it's, if it's something that they are passionate about, they may not want to share it. It all just depends on how they're feeling in the moment. Okay, so this, this is great. I mean, I love knowing other people's numbers mm-hmm. because I'm just right now thinking about another relationship of a coworker, um, not family <laughs> member, but a coworker who I know is a five and... You know, I'm not, you know, we'll get to the conflict side of it, but how can I, how can I better develop a relationship with a five then realizing that they like their own space and they might feel intruded upon? I mean, I think giving them that physical boundary and mental boundary, um, fives do have a very limited amount of energy. And it's just like, you know how we watch that uh, battery life on our phone go down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They start the day with a hundred percent and they feel it depleting all day long. I've heard a five. Yeah. I've heard a five describe it as catastrophic depletion. She, and she just described like, as the day wore on, she knew she was getting closer and closer and closer. And so that's why they, feel like they have to reserve it. So if they're getting towards the end of their energy and you've come, you've come to them with questions or you're wanting mm-hmm. to engage, they're really going to try to pull away. Um, so a lot of times fives will be able to be posed with a question or something needing a response from them. And if you can mm-hmm. be clear with them that you don't need to respond right this second, But if you can think about this and let me know in this amount of time or at some point, that would be great. So not expecting an immediate response from them is going to be really important. That's Hmm. really good. Yeah. um, You were talking about the physical boundary. So the physical boundary, meaning like you are literally like not going to be in their space. Is that what you mean to give them time to rejuvenate? Yes. They, they would like to get away to be able to, um, recharge some of that energy. And I've even heard some people talk about like, if there's a conversation they know that they need to be in and that they are choosing to stay in, they might walk behind something like a kitchen Island just to get some of that physical space between. Oh. Yeah, it's interesting. The coworker, he'll often kind of check out a work early in the afternoon, about two or three. And I wonder if it's because of that depletion. And then he'll yes. go home, recharge, and then he'll put up a couple more hours in at night. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, and he doesn't meet. Yeah, he, he would always like, 
Yeah, you're right. I've met him in the afternoon one time and it was just, he had no energy. <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, no energy. Like, how did that like, feel? It, like, just didn't talk a lot? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, talk a lot and, and okay. wasn't as, I mean, he's never really been as expressive as me, mm-hmm. I guess. But it's it's the whole conserving energy that 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 image is so powerful because I, I see that. I see yeah. that in the five that I know. Yeah, completely. And I think too in um like even a marital rel- relationship or whatnot, we always talk about like don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, right? Mm-hmm. Like don't give mm-hmm. the devil a foothold. Um, but as a five maybe just in the sense of like understanding if you're not a, a, a Enneagram type five, understand as a spouse, understanding like actually they, you know, they may need that actual physical sun to go down. <laughs> not yeah. meaning that we're going to like, you know, put this on the back burner and never deal with the conflict, but allowing them to have that space to recharge and to, and to think that would be, I think, revolutionary to, to some relationships for sure. Yes. Yeah, that time is very important for the five because they they do not want to be seen as incompetent or unwise. And so a lot of times when they're holding back on things that they're saying, it's because they don't want to be uninformed or to be seeming like they're uninformed. So they will stay quiet, do some research, and then maybe have something to say later. Yeah, that's good. So, So what if you're in conflict with a five then? How should you navigate that? Well, you just got to be real aware of the boundaries um, and that if you are looking for some sort of emotional response from them, they are likely not going to have one um, okay. because they are so detached from their emotions. Um, now, that doesn't mean that they are robotic or that they can't feel. It's just they are so in their heads. They have to really do some work to connect their head and their heart together. Um, So they're going to want to talk about whatever the conflict is in a very objective and unemotional way. And so they're not going to probably get worked up. And so if, like I said before, if you're a four looking for that emotional reaction from the person that you're in conflict with, you're just probably not going to get it. Um, And if you know that about a five, it's not that they are uninvested in the situation or in the problem. It's just that they are choosing to come at it from a more thinking approach than feeling. Gotcha. I'm thinking even on a practical level, Lauren, when we're approaching conflict resolution with a five and you're talking about like they're depleting battery, would it even practically be maybe appropriate or even better to approach a five in the morning versus in the afternoon with a conflict? Maybe so, or even asking them, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this. When can we do that? Oh, okay. Okay. That's helpful. All right. So I know y'all are probably looking at the time of the podcast and seeing the (laughs) clock run down and you're like, but she didn't get to my number or (laughs) it was like, but they didn't go further into this concept or Mm -hmm, that. And and that's mm -hmm. why we had to really split this up into part one 
in part part two. two. Yeah. Yep, exactly. (laughs) So make sure you tune in to next week when we cover the rest of the Enneagram numbers with Lauren Gray. And we continue to talk about even how she can become your Enneagram coach as well. Yeah. So inbetween.org slash episode 69 for all the resources and the guides and how to move forward on, on the Enneagram and understanding your number as well. Be sure to go there and we'd be honored if you'd share the episode too. Just hit the share button on your favorite podcasting app. Text that to a friend that you think uh, as you've been wrestling through this or listening, you're like, oh, I think that's their number. What about this? And we got to work through that. And, you know, share the episode with them. And and next year, uh, not next year, (laughs) next week, we'll be back. That would be a long time. That's right. To do part two. two. Yeah, it's like the longest ever cliffhanger. (laughs) Yes. So we'll be back with that. And yeah, we'll catch you next week.